Unlocking the Cage is produced by The Manager Special. This show is recorded live on Twitch Sunday nights at 5 Pacific on at Managers Comedy. Check out our other show, Virtual Improv, Tuesdays at 6 Pacific and Fridays at 7 Pacific. Or check out our YouTube for recordings of this show, our other shows, as well as animation, short films, and sketch comedy. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Uh, hi, I'm Meg Sinek uh, with my co-host, Chris Madden. You are watching Unlocking the Cage. Um, this is a Nicolas Cage talk show. Our goal of this show is to watch and rank every single one of Nicolas Cage's 104 movies. Um, yes. So uh, this is episode two. <laughs> so we have two. <laughs> two out of 104. So we're long we're way to go. <laughs> a while. Um, so just a warning. Uh, today's episode, we are watching Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, we will be spoiling the movie. Uh, if you do not want the movie spoiled, you probably shouldn't listen to a podcast of slash Twitch show about the movie. Um, and also, I'm going to on a more serious note, uh, this is a general content warning for this episode. We're going to be covering substance abuse, sexual assault, domestic violence, suicide. It's a really dark movie, and I think we're just going to have to talk about it. Um, Dark-ass so. movie. Also, Very if you dark. if there's anything technical uh, during the show, I'm, I'm running the stream, so just put it in the chat and let me know if I could fix it during the show. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of drop frames, so just let me know if there's, uh, if there's any issues there. Uh, but... I might turn the latency down, but we'll see. All right. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, a couple of things to note before we introduce our guest. Our theme song is by Will Gianetta. It rules. Um, also, uh, just uh, check in on how many Nicolas Cage movies we have seen to date. I have seen 12 now. Chris has seen 26. 26. Yeah, I'm keeping track. Last time it was 25. Uh <laughs> All right, so why don't we introduce our guest improviser, Patrick Gramion. Hello. How's it going? Hey, Patrick. <laughs> doing? <laughs> doing good. I'm excited. I'm excited to be a uh, part of the show. You are excited because I noticed like you were like, because we, you know, the way they had the Zoom set up is, you know, we could see him while you guys can't see him on the stream. He like, and he was just like, <laughs> like, like going to explode. <laughs> I'm like a little uh, little goblin grinner. I love it. I love, it. Just like, I love this stuff. <laughs> I'm um, so this movie. Let's let's uh, let's hear a little background. I'm gonna share a little background on this movie. Um, so this is Leaving Las Vegas again. It's based on a semi-autobiographical 1990 novel of the same name by an author named John O'Brien. Uh, unfortunately, John O'Brien committed suicide after signing away the film rights to the novel. So this is coming already. I mean, the movie is dark to begin with but it's also coming from like a place of tragedy so sort of the when they made this movie he had already passed away um so that sort of the whole thing was very loaded um the movie was a massive critical success uh it uh, nicholas cage was nominated and won uh best actor for this movie so this is his one uh oscar win which is kind of cool to do this as our second movie. They also got nominated for Best Actress for Elizabeth Shue, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Director. Um, it was a $4 million movie that made $50 million, which is pretty huge. To change. Uh, and uh, just a huge critical success. So um, it'll be interesting to see you know, how it holds up in relationship to how it was viewed 
back in oh i didn't write down the date of this movie i think it was 1996 back in 1996 when it 96 was so this was pre-face off this oh this was 95 i'm sorry yeah i think face off was 97 yeah so um here's a little new segment that uh we have we're gonna call this segment brendan's corner uh this is where i share information that i got from my friend screenwriter and former film major brendan buzard who actually knows stuff about movies unlike (laughs) (laughs) uh so we can learn about more about the historical context of this so uh uh, for Nicolas Cage's career, this was the movie right before the Con Air face off the rock action trilogy. Literally, this is the movie he made right before that. So kind of an interesting <laughs> change of pace. Uh, so right before this, he had been making a lot of like light comedies and like sort of not great genre stuff. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't doing that great as a actor. He was working, but he wasn't like a critically, critically acclaimed actor. And this really changed the way people thought about him. Um, because you know, he had this, you know, what I'm sure we will all probably agree was a pretty impressive performance, you know, despite maybe what we think about the movie in general, yeah. which we'll get it, but it did re-legitimize <laughs> Hollywood's eyes. Uh, and then a little bit more context for the film industry. This is an indie film, uh, and it was right made right around the time that the industry was sort of embracing indie films. So like right around Pulp Fiction, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it starred two people whose careers had peaked in the eighties. So Anyway, just an interesting context. Um, let's uh, now. I'm just curious to hear from you guys um, about like what your backgrounds are with the movies. So, like Chris and I, neither of us had seen it, right? No. So we didn't really know much about it. I mean, Chris, did you know any more than I did about it? You knew all, one thing. All I knew was, and the spoiler alert: he dies at the end. Yeah, that's and it's a really gross way. So, I, like, not gross, but like a lot of dry heaving is what somebody told me. So I was like, man, I don't want to see that movie, but <laughs> here we are now. How about you, Patrick? What, what, what yes. you? So I'll be real. Like, I think I saw this movie when I was like 19 or 18, like the first time I saw it. And I was it was a point in my life where I was like, I think like 18 me was like, this is a mature, obviously an adult filled with serious themes. So it must be good. Like that was like my I went into that with like that mindset. And so in my head, like, I've almost, like, mythologized this movie because I've only seen it maybe, like, twice, and both times were, like, high school and college. And so over the past, like, I haven't seen it in a decade. So in my head, I think I've self-mythologized this film as, like, the the ultimate Cage performance. And, like, this is proof that Cage is a good actor. And, like, you know, because, like, a lot of people, I think they're they're wrong about Cage. A lot of people think he's just a goofball and he's fun because he screams wacky shit. And don't get me wrong. I love, I love that aspect of Cage. I'm, I'm team wacky Cage. There is that aspect to him, but I think he's like a, I think he's a capital A actor who can like legitimately like, he's like, he has, he's a master of his craft. I think he's a master of his craft. And so I think that like, this is a movie that at least in my head demonstrated that to a some degree. Okay. Uh, at least like, and like his idiosyncratic, he's idiosyncratic. I think his mastery of the craft is not like he's not Daniel Day Lewis. You're not getting Cage's Lincoln, but you are getting like a. I would love to see that. Cage's oh, Lincoln. That's the movie that we need. <laughs> the country needs that right now. Oh man, that'd be. Link Lincoln Vampire Hunter with Cage. That would have been a good movie. That, that would have been. Yeah, that would have whipped. Oh man, Abraham Lincoln, Cage, big. 
Cage, Cage the stovepipe hat? They could have just called it Cage Braham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and people would have watched it. They were like, oh, okay, I know what I'm getting. Like Cage Braham Lincoln. Okay, so in my head, that's a movie where like Nicolas Cage like goes to sleep in one of his pyramids and then he like wakes up and he's suddenly in the body of Abraham Lincoln and he's like, oh, how did I get back here? And it's like, it's like, a, I don't know if it's like a mummy's curse or like some, like he, he accidentally kissed the Declaration of Independence. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like stuck in the body of Abraham Lincoln and he has to like, he can't leave until he kills all vampires in America. Um, I would love to see the movie. All right, let's, let's, I'm going to do, so I'm just going to, and I promise this is, I know there's been a lot of me talking, but after this, it'll be less me talking. Um, I'm just going to read a brief plot summary of the movie just so for our audience members that may need a refresher or maybe haven't seen it. Um, And so we can use that as our jumping off point for uh, digging into it. So Ben Sanderson, played by Nicolas Cage, is a Hollywood screenwriter who has lost his job, family and friends. With nothing left to live for and a sizable severance check from his boss, he heads to Las Vegas to drink himself to death. He meets Sarah, who's uh, Elizabeth Shue, a prostitute working for an abusive Latvian pimp named Yuri Butsov. Polish mobsters are after Yuri, so he ends his relationship with Sarah in fear that the Poles may hurt her. Ben, Ben, who's Nicolas Cage, offers Sarah $500 to come to his room for an hour. Sarah agrees, but Ben does not want sex. Instead, they talk and develop a rapport. Sarah invites Ben to move into her apartment rather quickly, I might add. Um, Ben instructs Sarah to never ask him to stop drinking, which is a key point in the movie. Sarah asks Ben not to criticize her occupation. She's a prostitute, and he agrees. At first, the pair are happy, but soon become frustrated with each other's behavior. Sarah begs Ben to see a doctor, which makes him furious. While Sarah is out working, Ben goes to a casino and returns with another prostitute, Sarah, who is played by Mariska Hargitay, by the way. Uh, Sarah returns to find them in her bed and throws Ben out. Shortly afterwards, Sarah is violently gang-raped by several college students in a really upsetting scene. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, Sarah is spotted by her landlady returning home bruised and is evicted. Sarah receives a call from Ben, who is on his deathbed. Sarah visits Ben. The two make love. He dies shortly thereafter. Later, Sarah explains to her therapist that she accepted Ben for who he was and loved him. So let me just say that that description of the plot. Oh, Chris, sorry. wait, stop. Okay. Uh... <laughs> what? I was doing it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no. The, the, I I hit I hit Control Shift T on my computer to change a tab, and that turned my voice mod on. I legit thought that was like a part of the show. Like that was when I run down the cage facts, but I say I'm in a sexy voice. No, all right. I was gonna say that description of the plot. Right. Sorry about that, guys. That description of the plot. Right of the way. Glot like like white like smooths over what is. Like seriously, like some seriously weird ass, like jarring, like you know they're like he, she visits him in his in his apartment hotel room and they make love. There was like a death jerk to a insertion. <laughs> I don't know what that that make love is like the weirdest way to say that anyway. Also, but, by I, that point, like he's like brain dead like it's just yeah. it's upsetting it's, it's like, really, really upsetting up. it's so sad but let's, let's i guess yeah let's, let's start overall is discuss uh we'll start with pat 
uh, since you've seen the movie before, what overall did you feel about the movie watching it again this week? Oh, man. So going into it, I was like, yeah, this movie's great. I can't wait to talk about this good movie with my friends. They're going to be so like and then like going through it, it was like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> uh, it is good. Okay, so this is what I will say. Like there are parts of it that are great, I think. And I think like like especially like the initial like the first like five minutes of the movie, Nicolas Cage does such a good job of like he's like and there's that one scene where he's dancing in like the uh the supermarket buying yeah. alcohol hold on hold on you want me to bring that clip up oh, we please. have that clip yeah i got that yeah. clip hold on i'll bring up that clip for you guys uh yeah uh, oh crap uh, hold on guys you know how i roll i i i'm not technically prepared for this show ever <laughs> that's so uh you know okay so th they'll see it on their end but uh yeah this is that clip he's talking about right now Oh yeah, there we go. And it's like that the music is Sting too. It's fucking Sting singing. Oh man, it's so like I love that. I don't know. Like that's great. Like and so you go from that to like him like going into that meeting where it's by the way it's Richard Lewis who's like one of the executives, the guy he's right. talking to. And yeah. Like yeah, and he's like terrifying in that moment in my opinion. Like he's like he goes from being like you see him like go from like happy and joyful to like terrifying and then when he meets him uh, by the corner like when you see when he like when, when Richard Lewis takes him away from like their combo because like Nicholas is there to ask him for booze or beg him for money for booze he's so depressing and so sad like it's like he, you see like this the gamut of in, the, the gamut of emotions I see exuding from Cage in the first five minutes just like Mwah. like he it's, goes it's yeah. not bad at there's no question that it's good acting for yeah. sure like also, he's good like Richard Lewis uh, like, first off, this movie, so many like you're like, wait, it's that guy just like keeps showing up. Yeah. Oh, like I have, cameos. I have a list. Oh my do god. Me, do you want me to play like I have a list of these like because uh, it's like yeah, Richard Lewis and Steven Weber, uh, the lady, the the female lead from Hot Shots in the yes. bar. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Right. The, the French lady uh, or whatever from Hot Shots. Yeah. And then, like, in the stripper, in the initial stripper scene, motherfucking French Stewart is one of the... Yep. I knew it! Men. I said, is that French Stewart? It's French Stewart with, like, a scar on his face and, like, like a shaved head. A really like, brief appearance, too. He's not even, like... Oh, uh, it's, like, literally a second. It's, it's, like, so weird how they kept dropping those people in. Oh, and I'm not even... I'm not even... No, we got way more. I got a oh, couple, yeah, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Hit me, hit me. Oh, I was going to say, uh, Julian Lennon is a bartender. Yeah. Yes. The, the child of John Lennon is a bit part in this movie. Director of Moon. Uh, we got uh, Lou Rawls is a taxi driver. We have. Uh, but he, he had a song in the original movie and they cut it. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. He was supposed to sing Marista in the taxi. Hargitay plays another prostitute. Oh man, uh, I'm sure you, you got more, probably. Oh, I have, I have a couple. Like, okay, the, uh, the, the, the kind of like the midwestern guy that like Sarah tries to. Oh yeah, Arlie Ermy. Yeah, the yeah, Arlie. lieutenant or whatever, the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Insane. Yep. And then the, and then the bartender there is Danny Huston. Who yeah, who's that? He's like a good, solid character actor. He's like in, uh, you know, he I saw like, uh, Houston's brother, right? Yes. I saw him in uh, Children of Men recently. Half, he was half brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was in he was like the guy who runs the art, the art project in Children of Men. Uh, <laughs> and then Laurie Metcalf is like the yeah. the, the, 
the, the landlord. The neighbor, yeah, landlord lady is fucking. Man, yeah, I kept like looking around, like, my God, what's happening? But it I, makes I, me I wonder if, like, was this like a movie that, like, everyone. I'm not saying it's a good movie, but it makes me wonder at the time if this was like a hot script people wanted to be a part sure, of. It. I mean, I'm they sure want to get in on it. Yeah, yeah it's because uh, it is just like it is baffling because it's like the budget's tiny and it's just like, how do you get all these? And even like there's like Bob Rafelson's in it. He's like the guy who directed five easy pieces. Uh, like there's just a lot of weird cameos. It's yeah. so weird. <laughs> um, Pat, I just I want to get a solid answer from you. So if you were going to say just in a sentence how it held up for you, how would you answer that? Uh, I got to say poorly in most ways, <laughs> but uh, in some ways, not as bad as I would think. I'll give it. I'll okay. be like, yeah, I'll say like, I think it has I still think it has merits. Like I was able to like glean something and there's like themes in this movie that i still uh i don't know if i like a i don't agree with them like they're bad but like there's interesting i don't know there's like i don't know I, also i'm like a sucker for like a i like how they portray the one thing i will like to say about this movie that's positive is like the way they portray alcoholism uh, alcoholism like there's no way i want to be nicholas cage in this movie like, <laughs> he's, 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 not, he's sure. not cool he's not no. fucking cool at all he fucking but sucks they do no way. I think they what they do do is really over exaggerate how much alcohol a human can be being can drink before they straight up die because he chugs like an entire bottle of vodka while driving and he's drinking more later on in the evening. It's like that's enough to kill you right there. Like if you don't yeah. get that out of your body, you're dead. It goes right to your brain. It passes the blood brain barrier. I see. I think that's why I like this movie when I was 19 because like I didn't drink until I was 20, and like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize like like that's a thing that would have gone over my head. Like Ugh. yeah, he, he could just be puking off camera all the time. I can just say that he pukes a lot, but fortunately there wasn't a lot of pukes. They didn't yeah. show any pukes. Yeah. Yeah, um, here. All right. So, Chris. Yeah. How did you, did you like the movie? I think I I say no. Uh, I say I, I didn't hate it, uh, but I wasn't like, oh, I'd want to watch that again. I loved it. It was more like, uh, you know, there were parts of it I loved. I thought some parts of it were very cool. Like uh, there's a part where he's sitting on a bench and he's drinking a martini and like she walks up to him and she's like, I was looking, he's like, I was looking for you. And like, you have no clue if this is real or not. And he's like sitting on a, a bench outside with a, like a perfectly made glass martini. And right, it's like, yeah. he's so wasted. Like how did he even get there within his hand? <laughs> so I'm just like, this is so dreamy and weird. I kind of like that part. That was cool. There's a few moments I like, but overall I would say, um, it didn't hold up. Well, I mean, how would it, oh, you mean like holding up? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got it. Um, yeah, fun trivia fact: all the they didn't have a permit for the outdoor scenes, so they shot them all real fast. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that makes sense. I will say one thing that hold that I do like about it, and I like about the cage performance of, uh, specifically, is all the weird. Like so much of this movie was ad libbed. Like a hundred percent. That's what I. That's a question I have about his movies in general. Is like, are people writing? weird things for him to say like are people writing like oh can we do the scene in the in the the bar bar? when he does that insane (laughs) yeah let's do that because that one has i think a line that could be ad-libbed i don't know but that was pretty funny my theory is that like 90 percent of his lines are ad-libbed that's my theory (laughs) yeah 
imagine writing something for him like you would just be writing such weird unnatural things oh i have i have like a list of lines that i okay. love <laughs> this is him this is him in the bar uh hitting on a lady when you say we finish these and we go back to my apartment on the beach Throw a movie in the VCR, mix you up a gooey blender hey. drink. Sound good? Sounds sexy? Hey, Ben. Now, is that guy somebody, the bartender there? Uh, that's Graham Beckel. Okay. <clears throat> Bud, give me another. I really wish you'd come home with me. You're so cute. And I'm really good in bed, too. Believe me. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? It's so grim. It's so... <laughs> it's other... The, especially the first part of the movie is a lot of really awkward scenes like that. Like, um... I know oh. we have an... I don't know whether we want to do the bank scene now or save that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I read... So, uh, Roger Ebert thinks that scene's a dream. That's his really? argument. That's, yeah, that's that was something for me that was uh, confusing through the movie is what is a, what is a dream, what is not... Um, especially because stuff just sort of cut like right around the middle, especially with Elizabeth Shue's character, stuff sort of cuts all over the place, like with her relationship with Yuri the pimp. Like we're cutting. Oh, that stuff time. was crazy. Yeah, I yeah. Like So I hate Yuri. Sucks. He's a bad. Wait, character. Let's talk about Yuri because I was surprised that he just sort of died in the middle of the movie and then never yeah. came back in any way. Like, why was he there? Uh, I think he. I, honestly, I literally think he was there to give her. Because, like, that's the, the main problem with this movie, in my opinion, is there's not a good reason for her to be with this guy. Like, that's, right. like, that's Absolutely. the biggest. And, oh, yeah. yeah, 100%. Like, you, and, it, it, and so my, what I think they were trying to do with Yuri is give her, like, the reason, like, I think what the movie is trying to do with her is to give, like, she needs, she needs love in her life. I think she needs, like, or she wants to, like, care for something. She doesn't, she's struggling to find this in Vegas. Yuri is I think like supposed to like exacerbate that is supposed to kind of like give her like a reason to go to Ben. I think it yeah. fails. I think it fails. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. The one, yeah. the one, yeah, you go first. You go. No, first. no, they don't do any character development for, I mean, they do some for her, but like at the end of the movie, you're still wondering what her motivation was the entire time. Like they hint at it. Like there's only one part that kind of, you know, even kind of give you a glimpse into her head. And it's when she's laying in bed and she's like, I'm using you. I need you. But like, you yeah. don't know why she's saying that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They really leave a lot and it works with cage, like leaving it naked, you know, leaving it. Cause like with cage, like they give you enough, they give you the photograph of like his family. Yeah. And so that's, that's enough to figure out why with her, it's like, if they, there's like, a, I think there is a version of this movie that's less ridiculous. That works. I think there is a world where you could have this plot but they, I think you they need to do a lot more background for her character and explain yeah. why she's latching onto this person who has like basically no redeeming qualities. Other I than was, likes I would, her. I would say that the movie. I would argue that like the movie would be better gender swapped. Well, I'll tell you this: if you follow the actual like, uh, I was thinking about this: if you follow the actual like structure of a movie, the only person with an arc is is is, is Elizabeth Shue, and mm-hmm. he doesn't really have an arc. He just kind of like. Well, I'm going to drink myself to death at the beginning. And he's like, I did it. But she has like a like she comes through a situation. It comes out the other side, like, you know, understanding new things. You know, so like I feel like she almost is the main character of the movie. More happens to her than happens to Nick Cage. 
And uh, she's also the protagonist to it, like you know, because she's like the inter- she's the one getting interviewed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by that, I guess that's her. It must be her therapist. I'm assuming it's either a therapist or a cop, right? Like the, well, the two. Knows, yeah. They, yeah, Meg, yeah. Did you say that already, Meg? That they added those later because no, they, I haven't. So yeah. here's a here's a trivia ahead of time. So all the scenes of Sarah speaking to herself or an unidentified person. Um, they were actually uh, Elizabeth Shue's wardrobe, hair, and makeup tests that were shot prior to production. What? Uh, yeah. Weird. Fucking I didn't know weird. that. Oh, I thought that's what you were trying to get me to say. So they, uh, uh, the director used them during the edit because he felt like he, they strengthened the narrative of the film. Uh, the producers didn't like that. Uh, but so she's the only actress ever to be Oscar nominated for her wardrobe tests. <laughs> That is so wow, funny. and they're good. That they're good. She's like Elizabeth. She was good in this movie. Yeah. yeah, she's given a shit character, but she makes it. Sometimes she makes it believable. There are moments where it almost, almost, but not really, like because it strains Perdue. The whole movie, you're just like Elizabeth Shue could go with like leave. Like you want her to leave. <laughs> That's really. That, I, I would say this was the most challenging part of the movie for me is that it's basically just like the story of. Uh, someone who's in love with an addict who uh, like, I just, I don't love watching that story. And I think that this was like an especially bad version of that story because like, whereas like, all right, like um, what's uh what's that movie? The Lady Gaga, Bradley, a star is born, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. got oh, I- a lot of similar elements, but like they have this whole history. They've been together. He, you know, things that works out for him. And so you're just like, Oh, okay. I see why she's invested in this. And this, for Elizabeth Shue, it's like she just met this guy and she's decided she's going to bring him into her life. She's not even like trying to fix him or anything about, uh, you know, with his explicit wish wishes not to ask him to stop drinking. Like, it's just sort of like your pimp just died. You are free. You can go do whatever you want with your life. You know, <laughs> she's and it's like I think part of why it fails, too, is that I hate to say that, but I think like I think the director and everyone back then, like, um, I think the opinions on prostitution were different. Right. And I think they are like equating like prostitution with alcoholism, which is so fucked. That's like not, they're not the same thing. Like, but, like, but, so, all right. So yeah. prostitution's legal in, in Las Vegas, which yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand about this movie was like, it's a legal thing to do. They, and they, they portrayed it. I thought it was, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you have to be you could, like, maybe out in the street. It's not legal. Like you have to be at a certain place to do it or something. But uh, yeah, the, the way they treated it was like as if she was like, you know, there was no like, you know, she couldn't go to the police, you know, you know, stuff like that. So I was like, you know, I thought it was legal, but maybe my understanding's wrong. Well, yeah, I think I, it's I think it's even if it's like legal or not, I think it's like they morally put alcoholism and prostitution on the same yeah. pedestal. That Like there's like moments in the movie where like I feel like there's scenes where they almost call Elizabeth Shue a street rat. Like it's like that level of like. Like you're a lad and stealing bread, like that level of like, yeah, of, of, yeah that, like, anger is shit given towards her. Or is that the, or is that the movie saying like, uh, you know, this is how people treat sex workers and they shouldn't treat them this way? I don't know. No, I think it's, I think it's so like the, I feel like the thesis of this movie is, look at these two people that are troubled and they found, you know, one is troubled with being an alcoholic and one is troubled with being a prostitute and they found each other and they accepted each other for who they are. You know? <laughs> I love how it's like, Hey, I'm an alcoholic. Don't try to change me. Like, like <laughs> and then, then she's like, I am a prostitute. Don't try to change me. Like oh. she has like a, a similar, she doesn't say it like that, but like, 
It alludes to it. Similar, like it's pretty. She really, it does. It does. We get very close. Actually, she's just like, "Well, I'm still gonna work," and he's like, "That's okay." And he's like, "Well, I'm still gonna drink," and she's you, like, "That's okay." So the, the this movie had a bad audio, like the the uh, the oh, vocals yeah. and the music were all fucked up with the mixing. But did you do you remember the scene where? He whispers in her ear after he gives her the 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 earrings and is like hush, 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 like something yeah, really you know dirty. What, said? Do what you know, is? I I don't remember. I don't remember. In I a had, mall? They're in a mall. Oh, uh, fuck! I cannot. We could probably look it up, but he says something really fucked up, and I think that's the moment he's judgmental about her being a hooker. I don't know. Yeah, that that was a moment. Yeah, there was a moment where he definitely like, and then he goes and cheats on her. Uh, it was so, it was yeah. so muted. It was so muted because you couldn't understand what he said. Like you were like, oh wait, did he just judge her, or was that something sexy? Yeah, I, I, I don't can't know, tell. Patrick, if it was like the version we had, but we str- really struggled to hear the sound, and it would be like we would be like, what are they saying? What are they? Turn it crank, 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 and all you hear, in the, and then all of a sudden it would like turn to sting, be like. All, all the clips I have here, I had to redo the audio because you couldn't oh, understand what they were saying. Yeah, well, I think part yeah part of it is like I guess like the way they shot it in the time. I I, I would assume. But uh, I, 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 I'm with you. I agree with you that the audio is kind of terrible. I was lucky, like I listened to it with my headphones in front yeah, of my. I that so that's like, like I think I listened to it literally the best way you possibly could. Uh, and even then, I'm still like, there were moments where I was like, I have to rewind this or put on like the the, the subtitles. Yeah, subtitles. Um, there were some funny. I'm not funny, but there were some weird cageisms. Like I have like a few like. <laughs> oh yeah, we oh, got God. A, I got a couple too. Was it? I'm a prickly pear. I'm a um, prickly. That was a crazy. So all right, so just for the context of that scene, they've gone off to the desert. They're <clears> staying in a motel. Um, they make out on um, like the side of the pool. Oh yeah. We're jumping all around the movie right now, but this is towards yeah, this is yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. She takes off her shirt. She covers herself in bourbon. Uh, which is an echo to the scene in the bank where I wish maybe we should play the scene in the yeah, bank. Yeah, let's play the scene in the uh, bank. An insane scene. This is another insane scene. So this is the one that you said Roger Ebert thought was a... Uh, so a Roger uh, Ebert, by, by the way, he gave us four stars. Yeah, I read his review, actually. Uh, it's, it's like, it's interesting. It was very positively received at the time. All right, here's, here's the clip. Are you desirable? <laughs> Are you irresistible? Maybe if you drank bourbon with me, it would help. Maybe if you kissed me and I could taste a sting in your mouth, it would help. If you drank bourbon with me naked, if you smelled of bourbon as you fucked me, it would help. It would increase my esteem for you. And I cut it off there because it gets way crazier than that. It's so oh, gross. And By the way, I, I will say I love uh, the makeup in this movie is great because Nicolas Cage looks like a fucking like Dracula. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because- he, he looks like he looks like a fucking like Nosferatu, Let- not even like Dracula, Dracula, Nosferatu, Dracula. He's he's like the whole movie. I, that is something I did like is like the whole movie. Just the worst DTs you've seen in your life. Just looking oh. like he's dying all the oh. time. And like. Honestly, upsetting. Like just see, <laughs> like just all these different like ways of being really wasted. Just it was, yeah. It and was Elizabeth well Shue's just like a, disregards it too. It just she just like looks right past it, which is crazy. <laughs> it's all crazy. I do want to. I want to come back to the scene. So the basically, so foreshadowing in the beginning, he's talking into this like tape recorder. Um, I had a note that was like, oh god, uh, yeah, like a alcoholic dale cooper <laughs> yeah uh, and uh sorry i should have produced that diane diane i want you to pour diane take a note bourbon on your tits 
Um, so uh, he gets talked about this, and then we have the scene later by the pool where she's literally pouring bourbon on her naked breasts, and like they're hooking up and whatever, and it's just like filmed very sexy, very like, oh, look at these people. They're having a sexy time. And then she's like, let's go into the bedroom. And he stands up and he crashes into a glass table and he's lying there in the glass and say, he says, I'm a prickly pear. I'm a prickly pear. It's so, so, it's so grim. It's, it's, so, it's, it's, it's like this weird balance of him saying all these weird things. And then also just, this is so dark, like, then uh, wait, what other? So Pat, you said you had other Nicholas Cageisms too. Oh, I have a few. Uh, let me let me go through my list. Uh, there's like the one he did when he was in the bar, like the same in the bar where he meets the lady. It's where he gets punched. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to find that. Uh, Oh, that man. part was uh, great. That part was. Uh, oh yeah, and then that, the, that's another cameo. The lady from Becker, the 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 woman he's hitting on or talking to, is this lady from the show Becker. I mean, that's all I know her from. But it's just like another random hello, another person. Yep. Oh, it's like uh, we lean into the bar, not on the bar, into the bar. So weird. <laughs> and then the he comes home and he's like he so he gets he he's like kind of like flirting, sort of flirting with a lady in a bar that's not the character Sarah, not Elizabeth Shue's character. And this lady is like having a fight with like her biker boyfriend. Yeah. Biker comes, he's like starts talking in a British accent. Very weird. And then he like gets punched in the face. Nose, blood everywhere. Comes back home with fucking eggs and like bread, a baguette. He went to the grocery store with yeah. a, full, a full nosebleed. I didn't put and that together. Oh my god! And then Elizabeth Shue starts making out with him. He's covered oh. in. Oh yeah! Oh, that was crazy. Uh, and then he says, "Like I'm the uh, I'm the cling clang king of the rim ram room." insane <laughs> like it's like something a captain kangaroo would say he also Very says weird. he also says we got eggs <laughs> <laughs> yes i have to literally like, have a note that's we got eggs we got eggs <laughs> all right i want to i want to steer sorry go ahead chris I was, I'm gonna... no no i i, I, I steer us towards something else i well i was gonna say there was one moment in this movie where i i i loved uh and it was, was actually my question was gonna be what what were our the things what were our favorite parts in the movie all right there's one moment i'm going to point out i don't know why i love this part it kind of like encapsulates the entire movie in one scene is when they go he takes her out to that date and uh you know they're like they're out to dinner or something and they're eating like pasta out of a shell do you remember this and yeah, he looks like, like he looks dead like he looks oh. like he's about to die and he's like he, he looks like he looks like Uncle Fester. Like yeah, he, he, it's Uncle Fester. Like a sweaty, <laughs> sweaty Uncle Fester, and <laughs> and like you know, and it, she asks him like, "Why is he gonna kill himself?" And he's like, "I don't remember why I'm gonna kill myself." He's like, "Am I gonna kill myself because I'm drinking, or am I drinking because I'm gonna kill myself?" It's like this, like a loop or something. Oh I don't know. yeah, no, it's like uh, I where the heck is that line? It's I like a crazy line. It's killing myself as a way to drink. She goes, "You're drinking as a way to kill yourself," and then he goes. No, drink. Uh, killing myself is a way to drink. Like he, it's like, like it's a, this oh, weird man. thing. But then at the in the scene, in the the moment I love is when she's gonna smoke a cigarette, and and he like 
like, you know, he's got the shakes and everything, flawlessly takes out a matchbook and yes. does the trick and hands it to her. And I was like, all right, I, lo- I love that part. That was, I don't know why I loved it, but that was my favorite part of the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, see, that's the thing is, like, if they had more moments like that where, like, because in that moment, you see, like, okay, like, there's a world where this character is, like, he had a life. Like, he's entertaining and nice and, like, if they had more of that, then maybe I'm not saying it would it still wouldn't work probably, but it'd be yeah. a little more believable. There wasn't a lot where he was nice. Like I feel like the first part of the movie was just setting him up as being this like like drunk, like gross yeah. horn dog who's like not really treating anyone well. Like I don't Oh like, no, I just like I have my, so many of my so many of my notes are just like Nicholas Cage is a ghoul, Jesus Christ, unnerving. <laughs> this guy's a ghoul. It's like somehow <laughs> Yeah. Pat, did you have any moments that you liked in them? Like any anything that you actually liked? Uh, you know, I I will say I think Nicolas Cage's performance is like I think the two main performances are really good. I do yeah, think they're both yeah, and I think like Nicolas Cage like like God bless him like he's just insane in this movie. There's just so many like weird like Cageisms, and I think my favorite Cageism in this movie because this had to be this is another ad lib thing. This is there's no way yeah. this is fucking in the script. It's the scene where, like, Nicolas Cage is, like, it's probably, like, three quarters into the film. He's not doing good. This is, like, Nicolas Cage, like, last legs Cage. And, uh, and Elizabeth Shue is, like, begging him to eat some white rice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and he's and he just... And he does the chopsticks with the ice cube, right? Yes, the chopsticks with the ice cube. Like, she leaves because, like, they get in a fight. I forget I forget what the fight is even about. I think it's oh, just, like... He, she asked him to go see the doctor. Yeah, and he's like, nah, nah, nah. Like, he's like, except way sadder. Like, it's just like, I'm not doing like, that. no, no, doctor. <laughs> no, doctor. <laughs> By the end of the movie, it is just like, he is monosyllabic. And Jesus, he's like, is it time for me to get hotel? Like, like what? <laughs> and it's, oh, it's so bad. And then he just takes the chopstick, puts it into the vodka bottle, and eats. It's so nuts. It's such a nuts. But it's like, I don't know. That's like such a. That's what makes Cage great. Is he'll yeah. do weird shit like that. I'm gonna say so. The one part of the movie that I like. Well, there's two parts. So I like the scenes with the landlord couple. I thought. Oh, they, they rule. Yeah, yeah, they were great. Um, and the then golf. one thing I actually liked about the movie was that he did die at the end. Um, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know how much we want to get into this like really awful gang rape scene at all. Oh, the worst, the worst. It's yeah, pretty yeah. upsetting. But when that scene happened, I my thought was immediately like, oh, this is going to be the thing that turns him around. He's going to see this horrible thing that happened to her. And then he's going to stop drinking and change his life. Because I didn't I didn't know anything about this movie. I was just like. And I think if that had happened, it would have really pissed me off. Oh, totally. Because it's like, oh, all right. So she's just there to motivate him to change his life. So uh, for better or for worse, he seems to have no knowledge that that even happened uh, and then just dies. So, oh, yeah. Alone. Like, not, not alone. Like he almost dies alone. Yeah. Honestly, it would have been a better movie if he just fucking died alone. Like yeah. as grim as that sounds, as evil and fucked up as that sounds, like that would have fit the movies. Yeah. Like I and I and I think like I do think that's like a a plus to the movie is it is just like he's never valid. And it's interesting because I watched Children of Men before this movie, weirdly enough, and that's well, a great that, movie. I good. love I love Children of Men. Children of Men like ten out of ten probably. Uh, but uh, the one interesting thing about watching that movie before this one is like Clive Owen's character in that movie is an alcoholic, right? And he, like, it never affects him, really. 
He's never like, you know, he's able to like survive this whole movie while like nipping hooch occasionally. It's so, it's so, and it, and it made me like think about how like, yeah, wow. In a lot of movies, people will just be like alcoholics and it doesn't really like, it's like a weird quirk. And it's not like that that's bad in that movie. Cause I think there are probably people like that that can like, you know, yeah, you, know, you can, yeah, exactly. But, it's not like there's but, a lot of hooch to go around in, in that, you know, yeah. in the apocalypse oh, in world, too. So yeah. he's just kind of like, I got to get my hooch. But it was interesting just to see, like, it's, I think it is, like, good that there's, like, one movie where it's, like, alcoholism is treated as, like, a supremely, like, it's fucked up. It's bad. It's like he has cancer. It's like he's straight up, like, like got some kind of illness and he's going to die. And, like, that's how she treats it. It's more like, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, is, like, he's is, convalescing. That is, that is a weird, like, that is so funny. It is like they treat it like cancer. Like, it's, it's like, it's like, like he's. Got a diagnose and you know he only like and she says something weird too. She says, "I know we both had a limited time." Yes, that's that's actually a good. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because I had that. Yeah, we both realized that we didn't have much time. Is something she says near the end of the movie. What does that mean? Like she no. was, she. I feel like she right before she met him, she was like about to have an upswing. You know, like she could have literally done anything she wanted with her life. She could have kept being a prostitute, but been on her own. Like now that this abusive pimp had died, like she could have, you know, gone to school. She could have done a lot of stuff. But instead, like she says, she doesn't have a lot of time. Like, what does that even mean? Maybe she was thinking about killing herself, too. Maybe it's like so that's ah, dark as fuck, but I don't know. It is dark. I don't think nothing that indicates that. Yeah, (laughs) it's just like I truly do think it is like a product product of the times in the sense of like, I think that people did treat think of like even as late as like the nineties treat like prostitution is like morally fucked up. Like they treated it as something morally fucked up on par with like drugs and like crime and like, yeah, not that drugs are morally fucked up either, but like, you know, have fun kids. But, uh, like, yeah, but, uh, like, you know, it's just, I think it is like a product of like that, like era of thinking. And in a weird way, I feel like this movie felt, I bet this movie felt like it was progressive at the time. Yeah. Because in, in a way it is like, Oh, wow. You know, alcohol you know prostitutes are human whoa like i think that's like what the movie's trying to do but now it just seems antiquated as fuck like, yeah. we, like- should touch on, we should touch on the trope of the hooker with a heart of gold oh, wow. this is a great example <laughs> what's uh did you did you say your favorite part of our part of the movie you loved me yeah yeah i did yeah i said the uh, i like that he died at the end and i like the oh uh, sorry landlady. <laughs> yeah thank you thank you for following up though okay um, uh, I'm going to say quickly, let's say I'm curious what were the parts of the movie that we hated. I mean, I think I know just the real. Yeah, I don't really I don't even really want to get into it. Uh, yeah. yeah, we can't. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I, I think I think also that the, the plot description did a, a little bit of a I mean, it didn't even whitewash it a little a little bit with the, the oh, description of that bad. scene, too. But like, yeah, it was like so terrible. Anyway, we'll keep going. Oh, oh yeah. It's uh, and it's like. Yeah, that, and then on top of that, like, I really hated, like, Yuri sucked. Like, they, they did such yeah, a poor... Was, it was such a weird character. Like, he just sort of shows up, he does, he's, like, abusive towards her, and then he dies. And then yeah. you're like, I, I thought he, he was says something. He says totally something, the- though. Uh, when she, when when they're having sex, he's like, or, like, right before they have sex, he's like, do you feel alone? Are you alone? Uh, and, and then I think that was, like, something that she said later she's like i don't want i don't want to be alone i hate being alone all the time like so maybe that was part of her motivation for latching onto him was that like because yuri was gone she needed someone else to or like yeah there. like like maybe she took care of yuri and she needed someone to take care of 
I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like I think these both of these people like it's like it's it's like he loved alcohol. Like he loved alcohol. He didn't love. I mean, he loved her a little bit, but like he loved alcohol. And I think like the movie is trying to posit that like he didn't. She didn't love him as much as she loved just being with someone. Like she needed something. Like she felt so alone, and that she needed like because like the whole time she's like this high end prostitute, and she like has these. You know, she'll has to be an escort to a bunch of people, but she doesn't have like a connection with any of them. And ostensibly in this movie, she's at least they, she says that like, Oh, I feel a connection with like, you're one of the few people I feel a connection with. And I think that's like what she's after is that connection, but it does a poor job of like, yeah, it doesn't really portray it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it does yeah. not like that. That's what the movie wants to do. And it fails. Uh, um, all right, it's it's five forty-seven, guys. Let's pivot. I would love to watch uh, the little clip we have of Nicolas Cage winning the Oscar, just as a little palate cleanser. Because oh yeah, let's let's <laughs> watch that. That's actually, a good it's one. It's kind of cute. It's a little cute clip we have. There's a, a couple things I wish I'd queued up, but I didn't. One was when he's at the table <laughs> and Mariska Hargitay starts hitting on him. Uh, there's uh, a part where he goes snake eyes like he says snake eyes and i was like oh man we should get that for the snake eyes show because that would be fucking awesome we eventually do snake eyes all right here and also what i really wanted was in the mall do you guys remember he's dressed exactly like han solo when he meets her in the mall oh yeah that little like uh, he's got the vest on anyway i i wish i had got those all right, here he is it. winning the Oscar. And uh, uh, everyone in my family, my gorgeous wife, Patricia. And I just finally want to say, hi, Weston, it's daddy. I love you. Thank you. I, guess, I just thought that was cute. That's I guess his, his son's He's, name is Weston. Yeah, okay, but do you know who his, that was, that, his other son wasn't born yet. Do you know his other son's name? I don't want to spoil a trivia for future episodes, but other son is named Cal L. What? Oh, like Superman, because he was supposed yeah. to be Superman. Uh, I would pay a million dollars to see Nicolas Cage Superman. There's that. Maybe that'll be a bonus episode where we do a script reading of the the never made Nick's Cage Superman script. Oh God, please do that. <laughs> so let's, let's go onto the uh, trivia section uh, where we learn some trivia about the thing. So um, some trivia. The thing I want to point out that's related to uh, Pat's background. Uh, so uh, the. Yeah red mullet ad that we see several times in the movie um it's the name of the director mike figgis's production company and that's mike figgis in the ad <laughs> and he's, so he's also a bartender right or something like no, that no, uh, close he mike figgis is do you remember when he goes to the gas station and there's like some threatening polish like mobsters staring at him yeah i would like curly With hair the sunglasses on <laughs> that is this, so they have the director have two cameos in the movie as two separate people, which is really funny. Um, Mike figures. Choice. This movie is Cameo City. It's so, so weird. Uh, some other things. So Nicolas Cage got into character by binge drinking, as you can imagine, and visit a lot, visiting a lot of hospitalized career alcoholics. Um, and he would film himself drunk to study the way that he talked. So he, he like just... You know, as you can imagine, he just got drunk a lot and then just learned. Oh from man, that. Patricia Arquette must have had a great time with that. Yeah, <laughs> I am a prickly pair. We know Cage. We know are they still Cage. married? Are they still together? No, no. Oh, okay. he, they, he he divorced her. He married Lisa Marie Presley. He divorced her. He married some other people. Wow. Uh, at some some we'll, we'll 
throw some of those in trivia too about his love life for sure. Um, another trivia: he doesn't eat a single thing during the movie. Um, not a single. Uh, he like puts spaghetti on his fork in the restaurant, but he doesn't eat it. And then, as we discussed, he eats an ice cube. <laughs> um, uh, there was uh, what's it called? There's a an al- alcohol manufacturer that like made them Photoshop the let the uh, label out of every scene. Um, I I, that's that's fair, honestly. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, if I was like an alcohol, I was like, oh, maybe I don't want to be associated with this movie. Um, and then for the last scene, so when he when he was on his deathbed, uh, he put down a. You bed. mean his fuck bed? Oh God! His, <laughs> his love making bed? You mean Meg? <laughs> he put down a bed of ice. He was lying on a bed of ice to get his oh. body to spasm, but they ended up ditching it because the ice was too loud. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> That's so. Um, and then here's my favorite bit of trivia about this movie, uh, which is that you know Mariska Hargitay's character. She goes back. You know Nicholas Cage takes her home, and that makes uh, Elizabeth Shue's character mad. mad. Originally, Naomi Campbell was supposed to play that character. Whoa. <laughs> Insane. That would have okay. been a much different scene. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead, Pat. Sorry. I was going to ask you guys. I have a question. Like, so, like, he won the Oscar for this. I have a question. Do you think, like, do you guys think, like, he deserved the Oscar for this? And then my second question is, like, if he didn't win the Oscar for this, is there, like, a mother movie that he you would argue he was better in and deserved the Oscar for it? As someone who has only seen 12 Nicolas Cage movies, I I want to take that question and I will revisit it in some months for myself. Ah, uh, okay, okay. What do you think? Oh, uh, I will, because I'm going to say, like, it is, like, it's hard. It's interesting, because, like, the thing, too, about the Oscars is, like, they're such specific, like, you know, it's, uh, it's tough. I would say that, like, I think Adaptation he's better in. I think okay. Adaptation, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. He's, like, yeah Adaptation he's better. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah, I Did think he that's get like, nominated for that. He did, but he did not win. I, yeah. Well, maybe he did actually. Wait, let me check. I don't think he did. I will say about this movie though, uh, along the lines of what you're saying, is that it was setting up uh, Nick Cage for success. Like, like he, it was made for him to be wacky and weird and like, you know, I feel like, like if he's gonna get an Oscar, he he didn't have to try that hard in this one. You know what I mean? I will say that here's the thing is like, I think Nicolas Cage is not an actor that's drawn to Oscar bait, which yeah. is why you don't see like a lot of movies that you would traditionally consider like Oscar worthy under the cage. Like, you know, and we can debate that forever, but uh, uh, I think this is like a movie that's like specifically, I think this is like the most Oscar baity movie he's done. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and that's, and it's weird. Yeah. Cause it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's traditionally Oscar bait. Like it's not like this is the King's speech or why we're watching. But uh, yeah, this is definitely yeah. just like it's designed to give him a role to play like the perfect Oscar. It's, yeah. it's an actor. Yeah, I, I do agree with you guys. I do think adaptation. He, I think he deserved an Oscar for that. I think that was a really good. Oh yeah, Brendan. Brendan put Moonstruck in the chat, but we haven't seen that one yet. Oh yeah, maybe. Back to that one. Um, yeah. Also, Raising Arizona, maybe too. I don't know. Oh yeah. We haven't seen that one yet either. Well, we're um, gonna we're actually get, we have metrics, you know, to define. <laughs> so. This is a great transition because let's let's pivot over, Chris. Bring up the spreadsheet. We're All right. Rank, rank this movie and see where it falls on our master list of the best Nicolas Cage movies, which right now only includes one other movie. So it'll either be number one or number two. I feel like uh, we have, need uh, um, we need to yeah. uh, 
what's it called? Uh, come up with some, uh, what's the word? Uh, title music to, to transfer over to this stuff. Oh, you need like a, like a, like a bumper or something. Yeah, yeah, like a little bumper. All right, uh, and there you go. Now you guys can see. Uh, <laughs> except, sorry for the technical difficulties, everyone. Here, well, well you, do you need do you need a little time, Chris? Because I have a, I can do our Nicholas Cage fact. Yeah, do some Nicholas Cage fact. All right, while we're waiting to bring this up, here's a Nicholas Cage fact. This one's a pretty well-known one, but I just wanted to make sure we cover it. He is was born Nicholas Kim Coppola. Uh, mm. I'm sure everyone knows this, but maybe you don't. Uh, he's the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola and actress Talia Shire. He's cousins with Roman Coppola and Sofia Coppola and uh, Jason Schwartzman. So uh, he always wanted to be an actor. So when he was 15 years old, he tried to convince his uncle, Francis Ford Coppola, to give him a screen test. And he said, I'll show you acting. Uh, his <laughs> outburst was met with silence in the car. So avoid the appearance of nepotism as Coppola's nephew, he changed his name early in his career to Nicolas Cage, inspired in part by the Marvel Comics superhero, Luke Cage. That one I didn't know. That's, Wait, you know that what? Chris? Yeah. No, what? Yeah. No. That's such a, that's such a weird deep cut. <laughs> such a, like, it's not like, yeah, it's not like inspired by Superman or like, it's not Nicolas Kent. <laughs> man. Uh, man, that's, I can't believe that. How Sorry. you doing, Chris? Uh, you know, I'm having a time here. <laughs> I'm oh, having. Uh, a, we have a we have a fact from the chat that uh, uh, keep them facts coming so I can furiously yeah, uh, Jenny, try to Jenny's fix this. That he was killed as Nicholas Coppola uh, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is I believe oh. his first movie. Interesting. I, I would say um, that one scene where um, he has like the video recorder or the not the video the uh, little tape recorder. That's like weird. It'd be funny. It sounds like the beginning of Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs from Frasier. That reference is over my head, but uh, other people will get it. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Just like, yeah, if you're ever bored, go uh, search. Uh, give me a da -da 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 salad, Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs. Hey, uh -huh. we're we back in it. business. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, gonna be Patrick, uh, backwards for Patrick, but you're you, but everyone else will see it normally. So don't yes. worry. No okay. worries. All right. All right. Uh, so, uh, we're going to place our judgment. All right. So we have uh, a bunch of categories, uh, that we like to, to use. So we have the cast. I uh, was it one to 10 Meg. Yeah. One to 10. And so we're each going to give our uh, ranking for the cast out of 10. Um, I'm going to give a, an eight for this one. I felt like the cast was really strong. Uh, there's a lot of good acting in this, even if I didn't agree with the, you know, writing of the characters and a lot of fun cameos. So I'm right there with you. I'm going to go seven just because like, it's not like every where you look is another amazing Academy Award winner. Fair. It's like, it's like people and like, I will say that, that, uh, uh, is it is not Jerry Lewis? Um, Richard uh, Lewis, Richard Lewis, like, I did not expect him to do such a good job, but he did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He had like that, like in all of it's so funny. All of them have like a minute each probably. And, but they eat, they eat that screen time. They you do know? great. They, they, yeah, they do. They do well. What uh, you got, Pat? Give I'm giving, you see, I'm going to give this one. I'm like a sucker for cameos and stuff. I'm giving this one a nine. Woo. I'm gonna, all right. Yeah. Just get, And I love like, and I think Nicholas Cage and Elizabeth Shue, like they do. God bless them. They they try their damnedest to elevate it, and, and in some ways they succeed. In yeah. some ways they, in some ways you just can't. 
Um, so next up we have acting and I think Chris, we should switch this around in order. Let's do uh, let's get Patrick's opinion on these first, even though my name is first on the thing. Oh uh, yeah. I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, no one needs to hear us talk as much as our, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you think acting Patrick? Oh, acting. Uh, I would say like, uh, this is like a, Man, it's like so raw. It's like raw. This is like it feels like it's like raw and filtered cage, and it's so like it's like him at like his craziest, but it's not like crazy. It's like his craziness is used properly. Like it's like the right weapon for his insanity. Uh, I'm gonna give it like an. Uh, can you do point five? Yeah. I'm gonna give it like a. You know what? Actually, no. I'm gonna give it a nine two. I'll give this a nine two. Okay. Wow. All right, I'm, I'll say uh, acting wise, uh, I'm gonna go eight just because, you know, I, I think he was set up for success. Yeah, and I, I think, think Elizabeth Shue was, was great too. too. Eight, okay. Yeah, I don't think there was really any bad performances in this movie. That's one positive thing I can say out of it. Yeah, yeah. like this is like we're in like the good zone right now, so I have a feeling it's gonna get us way further down yeah. the list. It'll change. All right, Patrick, what do you? How fun would you say this movie is? Oh, actually? oh God, uh, I'd say like, man, if I'm gonna be like. And it's fun. And here, I'll say this too. I like very grim stuff. I do. Like, I like darkness. I like, and this is a dark movie, but even like, you know, there's only so much Goofy Cage can do to save a, a movie with this sort of like, uh, subject stuff. matter. Yeah, subject yeah. matter. Exactly. So, uh, oh, I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a four. All right. Four. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there too. I, it like, you couldn't. Uh, really, so I'm, I'm gonna have to give it. I'm gonna have to give it a three. Uh, there were some fun moments, but I'm gonna get a four also. I'm gonna give it a two, and that's literally just for like the some of the weirdness at the beginning. That was not a fun movie. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, um, I'll do the special effects one first because I think that might be a tricky one. So uh, this one's a little tricky because it's not it's not a movie that needed special effects. Um, so I don't know if we should really take points off for not having special effects. But I do think, uh, you know, we are dealing with Nicolas Cage action star, you know, for most of these movies. So I'm just going to give it a solid five. Like, I don't think it needs to lose any points for it, but it certainly didn't have anything. And, you know, the makeup was good. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to give it a five because uh, maybe we can change this category to be less special effects and more of just like the technical quality of the movie. Because yeah, maybe, it was yeah. shot on uh it was shot on what was it, sixteen millimeter? millimeter yeah. Which yeah is and, cool. and I thought it gave it I don't know, you guys are probably too young for this, but there's a show called Red Shoe Diaries hosted by David Duchovny on Showtime back in the day. And it gave <laughs> the whole thing this feeling of like a softcore porn about to happen. Like, you know, like especially those those uh slow motion, the jagged slow motion because they didn't have the the f- high enough speed. Uh, film so like when they did the slow motion it was like choppy and like they were like I don't know all the weird jazz music and stuff it just it, it seemed like a really long episode of Red Shoe Diaries that is like uh, that's such an apt dis- that, that is the aesthetic of this movie is yeah. like softcore showtime yeah like early early 90s showtime late, or late night fucking porn movie <laughs> yeah oh man uh, fast, fast forward to the pool scene uh, yeah. So for special effects, like, do we include makeup and stuff like that as well? Yeah, of course. You know, I say overall technical. Overall, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it one more. I'll give it a six, just because, like, I love. Uh, I think Nicolas Cage's makeup in this movie is outstanding, and like, he looks like 
He looks like something from like a fucking like F.W. Murnau movie or like a German like cabinet of Dr. Caligari, like that level of like weird Tim Burton. He's he's Burton-esque. It's it's unnerving. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Next up, we got uh, overall Patrick out of 10. Overall, Overall, oh, man, you know what? Fun is like a huge factor, honestly. So I if I'm going to do overall, I'm going to do six. Can I do six point five? Sure. Yeah. Or you know, it's six. Just six. Just six. Uh, don't I, don't don't overthink it. We're we're <laughs> we're doing six. I'm just gonna do six, just because like I don't like. I'm never gonna watch it again. <laughs> it's not like and it's, and it's and it's genuinely upsetting. It's like an upsetting like, and I I don't think I would ever. I would never suggest someone to watch this movie ever again, probably. But like, if you like. I would say, okay, I would suggest someone would watch this movie, but they would have to skip certain parts. Like, you, there's, like, two or three scenes I would, like, edit out of my disc I would hand to them. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, maybe, uh, like, you know what, maybe a five. Give it a five. Five. I'm going to give it a five. Five out of ten. Chris, can you take it down to a five? Yeah, I'll sorry, take it Cage. down to a five. All right. Uh, Chris, what do you got overall? Uh, I'm right there with, uh with Patrick on the five. I think it's, you know, honestly, I did enjoy moments of it enough. I could see the value of it, but no. I'm going to do a three and that's mostly for the acting. I just did not enjoy watching this. I don't ever want to watch it again. I don't want anyone else to watch it. I mean, I just, it was, uh, yeah. Uh, And then, all right. So this last section, Patrick, so we get, you get to award or take away a bonus point if you choose. Uh, So, uh, for a particular reason, for a particular reason. So I'm going to take a bonus point off because it was fucking upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. It's grim. It sucks. It it was upsetting. I, yeah. Uh, (laughs) all right. What you got, Chris? I'm going to add a bonus point for shoes. Elizabeth shoes, boobs. God. <laughs> I do want to say Elizabeth Shue. Uh, we've been watching the boys. Uh, Elizabeth Shue is now in her fifties. She still looks amazing. The shoes have held up. She she just like is you know very beautiful and charismatic, and it's just nice to like see that she's still getting work. You know. So. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. She's all she she rocks in this movie. She's like in some ways she might be better in Cage in this movie. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm gonna. You know what? I'm going to take away a bonus point just because, like, I went into this movie with, like, rose-tinted glasses being like, I love this movie in high school. Nothing in high school I liked was ever bad, so it must be good. And I went in and it was like, what have I done? <laughs> it was like, what have I done? So, All yeah, right. taking, taking a point. So before we click on this, just want to, again, for the context, so this is, we only have two movies so far, The Wicker Man and... Um, and leaving Las Vegas, I know the score for The Wicker Man, so I know what this result is going to be. But uh, Patrick, I'm just curious, where do you think this will end up on that ranking? Oh man, that's so hard. I think you know what? I feel like we're this is like a, a ranking list that uh, appreciates the pleasures of Cage, like you know his like his highs and his lows, and like his hamminess and his like. So I'm going to say this is uh, lower than Wicker Man. Okay, let's right. see the results, Chris. I beat out Wicker Man. Holy Dude. shit! Interesting. I okay, think good. only narrowly, but it's. It, <laughs> I think a lot of the Wicker Man was boring, and I think that's what really screwed it. Yeah, and I uh, think that the uh, we gave it such high acting uh, and cast. Yeah, scores. the the acting's good. It's a good like it's well acted. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think that really pushed it over the edge. Well, um, we have one last section of, of data yes, collection of that we have to do, and that is the cage map where we map acting versus craziness. So last week <laughs> we did uh, uh, Nick Cage craziness for acting for the Wicker Man. So uh, let's let's go, Patrick. On a rank from one to ten, uh, what would you gauge Nick Cage's craziness in this movie? Like crazy oh, cage, man. how crazy oh, we get? This is the, the cage gauge too. Oh, the cage Ooh. gauge. The cage map is my map is also very good. Uh, oh cage no, 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 cage no. gauge cage. is good. That's, uh, you know what? I'm gonna give this. This is an eight, a solid eight because right. like, it's not it's not like peak crazy, but like he eats an ice cube with a chopstick. That's nuts. I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a seven because. It really, he does get crazier in some other movies, I think. How about um, you? I'm going to give it, I think if I gave a seven to Wicker Man, I'm going to give this a five because I know he's like, you know, but he doesn't punch any ladies in this movie. Yeah, uh, really. That's ooh, fair, that's fair. yeah, that is true. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so acting wise, where would you say, Meg, where would you say? Act- I'm going to put it, I'm going to give him a nine. I mean, he won the nine? Oscar for it, you know? Uh, and how about you? I'm giving it a nine as well. It's like one of my favorite. It's maybe in my top three cage performances. Like honestly, all right, I'm gonna get it up there too. I think I'm gonna give him an eight. Uh, just because I like the adaptation better. But I'm gonna say yeah, that's, yeah. that's really that, that, all right. That's my that's my ten. I would say. So let's look at the cage map or the cage gauge now is called. And this one is so you can see the Wicker Man is down here in what we call the crazy bad acting quadrant. <laughs> But you know, I, you know, uh, I I had assumed that the non-crazy uh, good acting would be this quadrant. But you know, crazy good acting—I call that the holy grail of Cage—is <laughs> that's where we got our uh, our uh, what's it called? Our, our leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, it's kind of funny because we you know we have an Oscar corner of the map, and this is his only Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> yeah, so we might have to switch that and and come up with a different thing for it. I mean, also, I love this. Is like this, is, this would make a great political alignment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As we get um, more points on this, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, I think uh, I think that we have hit the end of our show. Does anyone have any closing thoughts about this movie? Mm. Yeah, it's like it's ultimately it is a bummer how like d- distressing like scenes and this is, and it's like and it's like there's a part of me that like I feel like. Th- there's the story. I wish. I hope there's like. I. I it, yeah. I just wish it worked better. That's all. I guess. That's all yeah. you can wish for. Yeah. And, and I wish it wasn't. And I wish it wasn't as just like. I wish there were scenes that were just like cut out of the film, like for and maybe burned forever. <laughs> um. I think. I think my closing thought is like. I know that we've been pretty harsh on this movie, but my guess is at the time it was viewed very differently, and like it. You know. I think it was an important movie for him. It was an important movie for the world. Um, I think it's just, it just doesn't really hold up to our modern sensibilities. We've grown out of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it, you know, I don't think it, I don't, I'm not mad at it for being made. I think it's just, yeah. you know, it's product of its time. I think what the, the thing that translates for me to this, for this movie are those moments where it's very uh, surreal and strange and, uh, you know, you don't know what's really happening and stuff. I like that stuff, but then just, yeah, it, it's hard for a movie made in the 90s to kind of like, you know, when they're That's, going for it. to Yeah, stick, we'll, you know. we'll see. I mean, we'll see. There's, we'll, we'll certainly be watching other 90s uh, movies. Um, yeah. 
And speaking of other 90s movies, this is a great time to promo our next week's show, uh, which will be a lot more uplifting. (laughs) (laughs) Also, also, I haven't seen this movie in a while, so I'm going to be really curious to see how it holds up. This is one of the classic Nicolas Cage movies, which is Face Off. We are so excited to do Face Off. Uh, just starting out with the hits, our guest is going to be our friend, uh, Boston comedian and uh, physical therapist, Dan Chapman. Very <laughs> Chapman. So um, back problems, he'll talk about those. <laughs> yeah, but Face Off is such a classic. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's so many things about it. Um, another thing that I want to promote, too, is uh, on this channel uh, on twitch.tv slash managers comedy. Uh, we have a uh, improv show where we do short form improv twice a week on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific time and on Fridays at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I'm in it. Pat's in it. Lots of our friends are in it. It's fun. It's stupid. Um, so if you like this, just uh, follow us on Twitch and you'll see notifications when that pops up. Um, Pat, what can what would you like to promote? Where can people find you on the Internet? What's going on in your life? Oh, man. Uh, so I am uh, at, uh, so my name is Patrick Remyon on Twitter, but my handle is, of course, not that, because uh, at the time I wasn't thinking. Uh, so my handle is at the Corch, uh, T-H-E-C-O-R-C-H. I'm just going to put that in chat, actually. Oh, okay. I just did it, too. Yeah. We're- oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I'll uh, do it, too. Then- Why not? We're all doing it. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. And then... Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to be, I'm, uh, it's not probably going to come out for a few weeks, but I'm working on a podcast uh, called The Academy Academy. And uh, I'll uh, I'll talk about it more in the future, maybe. But for now, I'll just say it's going to be good. Did you, awesome. do, did you do your Nixon thing? Oh, my God, yes. So uh, every Thursday at 8 p.m., I'm doing a thing called Fox Nixon. 8 p.m. Pacific time? Sorry. 8, sorry. Oh, 8 p.m. Pacific time. It's we have called- a cross-coast listener base. So. Oh. So <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But it's like, so my, it's on my uh, Twitch channel. Just Patrick Remy on my name. And uh, I'm basically playing Star Fox 64 while listening to the audiobook of Nixon Land. And uh, if you just want to, like, watch me silently play Star Fox 64 while learning about the horrors of Richard Nixon, that is the place and time. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Pat. Uh, So uh, as we usually do for our shows, we are encouraging you to donate if you have the means and this is something you uh, cause you support. I'm going to paste the link into the chat. Uh, the cause that we've been promoting is a fund called Get Mitch or Die Trying, which uh, is a fundraiser for various Democratic Senate Senate candidates um, is particularly in places that are hotly contested or, you know, the possibility to flip things Democratic um, and they funnel the money towards uh, elections that are close or they need money. So sort of like an actively managed way to donate to a lot of different people at once. Um, seems like it's pretty well run. And, uh, you know, we are probably not going to be able to get Mitch McConnell out of office, but we can certainly make him no longer the Senate majority leader by getting a lot of other Republicans out of office. So I don't know, just something to put your money to if you're like, God, I need some hope in my life. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Uh, oh, also one thing uh, we have. uh this is a podcast now. Yes, thank you, Chris. Yes, yeah. so yeah. On, on, I think we're on, on Tuesdays is when I will upload these. Uh, we okay. have one now, and it's available pretty much everywhere. 
So just subscri- subscribe to it on podcasts, yeah. everything, Spotify, Amazon, Apple podcasts, uh, Google podcasts. So yeah, uh, subscribe to it. We're coming out uh, new ones on Tuesdays. Uh, you can always follow us too. If you want, if you're, if you're more of a visual person, you can always follow us on YouTube. Uh, the link is in the Twitch uh, website and you can watch old episodes there as well. Yep. Also, uh, if you want to see me in a singlet, um, the the quarantine action wrestling uh, is is coming to Two MB Studios uh, next Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, so 7 p.m. <laughs> Pacific, uh, and there's gonna be a Royal Rumble, and I will be wrestling along with a bunch of other comedians. Comedians make short; uh, they make all the, the the promo materials and interviews and stuff for the wrestlers, and then all the wrestling is done using a computer. So it's fun stuff. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Pat. That's been awesome to have you as a yeah, guest. Thanks, thank you Pat. For a, this was so much fun. A really depressing movie, a f- fun conversation. I think we can. I, pro- I, I promise the next time I come, if I ever come on again, we'll do the Croods. The Croods. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the Croods. Oh, man. One Hi. day when we finally do the Croods, it's going to be like, wow, remember when we said we were going to do the Croods? And now we're doing the Croods. <laughs> Episode 500. Oh, my God. We're living in a space station. Yeah. One day we'll catch up to him making movies, and then that'll be a yeah, crazy day. That's true. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so much. Have a great evening, and see you all next week for Face Off. Bye. This has been Unlocking the Cage. Tune in Sunday nights at 5 at Managers Comedy on Twitch. The theme song was created by William Giannetta. Thanks again for listening.